hour. Festival in the morning. Jay Binkley, JT Noah with you. That was the, the great Mitch Holtis on with us a few uh, minutes ago and had some great things to say. James Palmer just tweets out, and it's the scenarios for the playoff. This is when it gets fun. This is when it gets fun looking at scenarios. Uh, ESPN does a great playoff machine. If you want to put who wins, who doesn't. Pro Football Network does one, too, uh, as well as so you can see. All right, if so, such such team wins and you play out the scenarios and see where your team sits. If the Ravens win in week 17, which they play the Dolphins this weekend, it's going to be a great game. It's going to be on noon, but a lot of things can be determined. If the Ravens win in week 17, the Browns will be locked in as the number five seed in the AFC. Now, why is that interesting? Because the Bengals play the Browns the following week. So the Browns rest players because they're going to be locked in at number five, right? So if the Bengals were to beat the Chiefs, they're all of a sudden feeling really good about themselves because they're playing a Browns team that's probably going to be rested the following week. More motivation for a team that has 19% chance to make the postseason. They believe they'll make it. Now, they're part of the uh, eight-win teams. There's a bunch of them. Houston, Pitt uh, have it as well. Uh, Raiders and Broncos still at 7-8. and eight, uh, But the uh, Raiders, 11% chance of playoffs. Uh, the Broncos... Believe it or not, still an 8% chance. But tiebreaker scenarios, the Bengals hold them over the Colts and Bills. Over the Jags as well, if the Jags don't happen to win the AFC South, they've got the tiebreaker over them. So, but Cincinnati's still really hurt by that 3-7 and seven conference record. They're hurt by that. They still do have a chance, but it is interesting if the Ravens win that it would lock in uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, or excuse me, the Cleveland Browns, to the number five seed. So what would happen that final game against the Bengals? I don't know. I mean, it is a home game for the Bengals against the Browns. Would they rest all their players? That is uh, kind of an interesting uh, scenario. The one thing I like, liked everything Mitch said there, but he talked about that offensive line, bringing the fight. And he talked about the old days of Ed Buddy and the 65 toss power trap and, you know, lead blocking on that. But this offensive line showed some nastiness early on. And it was kind of nice to see, like you like to, Trey Smith goes out there and lays out pancakes all the time, right? He, he does that. But bring the fight to him. I didn't see that against the Raiders. The Raiders dominated the Chiefs offensive line from the beginning. It is an offensive line that had given up the fewest sacks in the NFL. The Chiefs are number 32 at that point. They're still 31 at this point, but that it was not a good game. Mahomes was scrambling, running, and, you know, Mahomes has taken, you know, a beating for this. And some of it's him. Some If it's a pie chart, some of it's on Mahomes, some of it's on that offensive line play, and some of it there is, of course, on his receivers dropping the football at a 7.5% clip, which is tops in the NFL. Could be tops in the NFL for the last decade. But bring the fight to the Bengals. This, this defense is not the same Cincinnati Bengals defense. Now, Hendrickson's still good, no question about it, but is the 31st-ranked team in total defense, 26th against the run, 28th against the pass. Getting to the quarterback, they're 18th in sacks. So if the offensive line muscles up, forgets about all the other noise, outside noise, and brings the fight to the Cincinnati Bengals, can you win this game up front? And they're going to need to play good because who knows who's going to be a running back. Well, Michael P. Ryan might be that guy because he hadn't had the three call-ups yet. The Derek Prince has had his three call-ups, so you got to put him on the active roster if you bring him up, he's got to go on the active roster because you can't do the practice squad call-ups more than three times. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see who's 
going to be at running back, but I think it's it's key for the offensive line to bring bring the bucket of guts, like Mitch said, because I think the weakness, the biggest weakness for this Bengals defense is the run game. Now, whether Andy Reid will run the football consistently is still to be shown and proven, but there will be chances to run the football on this defense. Well, the run defense, 26 in the league, 28 against the pass. And Cam Taylor-Britt's been banged up as well, so... People have done what they want against the Cincinnati Bengals team. And defense has not been the same team that you've seen in the past. 21st in points per game against. It's just a different deal. Or Mahomes, and you hate to see it because you don't want to see injuries, is going to have to carry the football a lot like he did last week. It is interesting to note, though, he ha- he's already had his career high in rushing yards this year. He's already hit uh, 387. His previous high was 381 in 2021, had 358 last year. He's sitting at 387 this year. It's 5.5 yards per carry. Still not a touchdown rushing. He doesn't have very many touchdowns rushing. I know it's always kind of one of those fun little numbers. Over under on Mahomes rushing touchdowns at the beginning of the year. Four is the most he ever had, and he had that last year. But him scrambling could be a huge part of the equation. They haven't asked him to do it in some games, but he is probably going to eclipse over the 400-yard mark in this game. Yeah, it's like you said, uh, his run game is crucial. It makes a difference. Right, but we also have to understand, I think last week as we talked about it, it's a little bit of hit on him too for the way he got uh, was running around. Because I think he got jitterbugged. He got a little spooked because of the game. So that's why it's also important for the offensive line to bring it. Because if you show up, then you don't have the the quick feet from Patrick Mahomes to leave the pocket. I, I know it's not been a big uh, impetus, obviously, for Andy Reid, the running game. You knew that going into it. The passing game is what's been his bread and butter in the National Football League. Not only with the Eagles, but with the Chiefs as well. It's what, it's what made this team so dominant. And he has a quarterback now that can do basically every everything he wants to do. As a head coach, we kind of got to reel it in and limit yourself a little bit. Uh, when it was Alex Smith with Mahomes, you can do whatever you want, but throwing downfield, it's a big part of what the Chiefs do, but they're not able to do it right now. You got to give Mahomes time. Set his feet in the pocket. Feel confident that you're not always worried about someone hitting you. Like last week, he was always worried about where Max Crosby was, obviously, because there's a reason. Exactly. Max Crosby's chasing him around all the time, so you always got to be cognizant of where he is. But the running game for the Chiefs, and I've always thought this, when you're, when you're running back for the Chiefs, they should dominate. You should dominate as a running back for this team because you're never seeing eight men in the box. Well, this year you are, but previous years you're not seeing it because they're so worried about Mahomes beating them over the top, you're not seeing them sell out to the run. Now, exactly. if you're not throwing the ball down the field because you're not running it well, they can start creeping up. They'll completely shut your running game down like they did last week, the Raiders did last week, you got to still show that ability to go downfield. That's why I'd like to see him open it up a little while. I'd still like to see Rasheed Rice, see what he can do down the field. I know it's great with the yards after catch and all that, doing kind of what Juju did. There's a role for that. But if MVS could catch the damn ball, that's the downfield threat. Him and Justin Watson, that's it. they got to start catching the ball. You break on the nine rounds and keep going towards the end zone instead of heading right towards the safety. Those kind of things, they open up the running game. Because this team desperately needs the running game to be dominant. They've had their good. They've they've had their good games. They've had games where they've ran the ball well. 
but it takes the pressure off the quarterback. Where Mahomes doesn't feel like he has to carry the team every single play, you can turn around, hand the football off, and you can start controlling things offensively. Yeah. Uh, I also think you might see Richie James in the backfield a little bit this this weekend. This would be like the game where you would see like a Richie James. Obviously, we don't know if Kadarius Tony will play, but like Richie James, you might even see Rasheed Rice in the backfield. They've and done Tony it before. Tony played all, all year. What? Uh, not all year. He didn't. He didn't practice all week. All week. So okay. I don't know what, what's going to happen. Right. Exactly. Here. That's what I mean. But you could see Richie James in the backfield. They had him in the backfield a couple times last week. Well, he's your punt returner. I mean, the guy is extremely good at yards after catch. This is like a four four eight guy coming out. Uh, he's been in the NFL. You know, obviously with Frisco, had a good year. I've been advocating for more time from him. He did have the longest play in the game, the forty six uh, forty five yarder against the Raiders. Three catches, fifty four yards, and what twenty two twenty two percent of the snaps. Yeah, it was it was pretty low. You would like to see that go up. I thought it was going to go up because two games ago, they, they Andy Reid looked at just the two plays. He's like, well, let's give Richie James the ball more. Now, it's not the end-all, be-all. It's not the answer for the offense, but it is something that's tangible. It is something that's there. It is something that's available. With Sky Moore on IR, give the ball more to Richie James. I would Because the Chiefs will have breakout players at times, and you need it. But right now, they didn't have a winning record in December. They've lost three straight home games. This is not the typical football you see from the Chiefs, especially in November and December. That's when they start amping things up and turn things up. And they're going the wrong direction at this point. And I think that's the biggest worry for people. They're not putting it together. And you always hold out hope. Okay, well, because I was thought, okay, the Raiders game, that'll be the game they'll put it together. That's going to be the end they did. They looked about as bad as I've ever seen them look under Patrick Mahomes, the offense, last week. To lose to a quarterback that did not complete a pass in three quarters was pretty bad. Now, that doesn't mean they can't shed that, but eventually you become what you are. You are what you are, and hopefully that doesn't continue. It is against the Bengals, and again, the two things that worry me the most, the Bengals are plus eight. It's number two in the NFL. Chiefs are minus 10, number one in the NFL. It's a bad, it's a bad scenario. And penalties. The Bengals are not penalized very much. 31st in the NFL, which means they're a disciplined football team. Unlike the Chiefs who have not shown to be disciplined yet this year. Well, they're right there in the middle of 15th and team penalties, but the oppor- when the penalties happen, that's that's what's hurting. When the penalties happen. And like I said earlier, Bink, it's always it's this isn't like the old Chiefs teams where they could get behind the sticks and you would feel comfortable like oh they're going to get the first down after a first and 15 or a first and 20. This one once you get a first and 20, you're like, "Well, the drive's over, can't wait to see what we do next drive." The, the weird thing about it is, like, statistically, you look at offense, they do have the ninth best total offense in the NFL. They have the, believe it or not, they have the fourth best passing offense in the NFL. That That's insane to me, that they're fourth in the NFL in passing. Because it doesn't appear that way, but they end up finding a way to get yards. They find a way to do it. Eventually, some way, somehow they do it. But fourth in the NFL in passing yards is incredible considering how bad the receivers are and the more drop rate that you've seen in the last decade, third down percent, they're fifth. They're fifth in the NFL at picking up uh, third downs, 45.3%. They picked up 87 of 192. Now, they are better in third and fives, obviously, than third and ones. Third and ones been a been an issue with the Chiefs this year. But there's just certain things on paper. And, again, you don't play these games on paper. But they're better than the Bengals in, like, every category. But it's the Bengals. It's a team that's been that nemesis. Third and ones have always been a problem for the Chiefs. They have that's, that's not just this year. Last year was a crucial part 
We thought they could get it fixed this year with Pacheco actually being the star running back. Nope. Third and ones and third and shorts are still the scariest moment in Chiefs fans' memories. Hey, it's like you don't even want to see it. It's like the Eagles getting that. You know what they're going to do. It's going to be a tush push. I still think the Chiefs pull one out eventually. Eventually, I think you see this. Don't forget when he got his knee all out and dislocated in Denver, Mahomes, he did pick up the first down. Binks over here like, yeah, remember, he did pick up the first down with it now. He did. I mean, I just think, I mean, it's not going to be everyone. It's just one play. AFC title games, you'll see at least one more time. You have to. Mahomes wants to do it. He talked about it in training camp. He wanted to do it. I don't think they want to risk that, but because <laughs> then it's Blaine Gabbert in the postseason. And Wanya Morris, they need, you know, he needs to step. He got his welcome. He got his wake-up call in the NFL against Max Crosby and the Raiders. He did. And he needs to develop because, again, they need to concentrate on wide receivers in the draft. I'm talking one, two, and three selections. Pass catchers in regards to wide receiver, tight end, you name it, but pass catchers in the draft this year because this draft is loaded with wide receiver talent. Absolutely 100% loaded. Oh, it is. It is. This is the year to do it. This is the year they need it. This is the year to do it. And right, I think right, they will. Right. I think they will. They still need a number one receiver. Rice is not your number one. He, he just He's not going to be a number one. He'll be a solid receiver and be on this team. There's a role for him on this team. I mean, clearly the guy, you know, is going to be, which is fine. Like, if he's not your, asked to be your number one, that's fine. He's proven to be that great yards after catch guy, but he's not a number one. Because number ones are breakaway guys, man. The guys you fear, the guy that keeps you up at night. Do you think there's a number one going to be in the range of where the Chiefs will draft, which probably be around the 25, you would think? 100% because of, I mean, there's still going to be three offensive linemen probably. You're looking at three edge rushers. You're looking at some corners. You're looking at the fact that if they are picking 25th, in reality it's like picking in the quarterbacks. There's going to be at least three or four quarterbacks taken uh, before then. So then all of a sudden you're looking at, well, actually picking like 16th or 17th as far as the talent. So, yes, wide receivers. Will be, even if they're picking 32nd, there'd be receivers available. Because the first and second round is going to eclipse the record in 2020, which was 13 receivers taken. That's what you think. Well, I would do. I, I think eight, eight will go in the first round. The record seven. 2004, I think this is the year that's broken. Matt Miller, I love his mocks. He put out a mock a couple weeks ago on ESPN+. Plus. He had uh, eight being taken in the first round. That's what we had on our character concerns. Exact same thing. Exact same thing. Coming up next, though, this uh, I rarely do this, but this pick section uh, from CBS Sports on the game picks this weekend, it wasn't about the picks. It was about what was said about the Chiefs, and I think a lot of people are saying, and I think a lot of it hits home because it is reality when it comes to this offense next. Fesco in the morning, Jay Binkley, JT Noah, the roundtable coming up at 9 o'clock. Uh, show some fun with that. So CBSSports.com has somebody named John Bridge. I, I have no idea who it is. And they were doing the uh, the picks. And he had, obviously, the Cincinnati Bengals, you know, beating the Chiefs. A lot of people have that. That's that's fine, whatever. I don't really care about uh, who picks what at times. But I wanted to read what he had to say because I think a lot of people are saying the same thing. He says, I never thought I'd say this about the Chiefs, but I think they're starting to implode. Not only have they lost four of their past six games, they've also lost three straight Arrowhead, by the way, but they're just one and three in the month of December. 
which marks the first time in Patrick Mahomes' career that the Chiefs have had a losing record in the month of December. As a matter of fact, the Chiefs haven't had a losing record in December since 2013. The Chiefs have now entered that territory where they didn't have a winning record in the month of December. And the melting down on the sideline and things like that, it's clearly the frustration. We'll see how they handle the Jamar Chase comments today, if they just let it go and then do the talking after the game, which they'll probably do. What the play do, but he says the entire offense is falling apart. The receivers can't get open. The offensive line can't protect Mahomes, and the Chiefs' running game is nearly non-existent, averaging just 70 yards per game on the ground over the past three weeks. Uh, the Bengals are catching the Chiefs at the perfect time, and although it might seem crazy to think they can win this game, the Bengals will be desperate, and they almost always save their best performances for games against Kansas City. Since Zach Taylor took over as coach, the Bengals have faced the Chiefs four times. And although the Chiefs have been favored in every single one of those games, the Bengals have gone three and one. Says it might seem like a lot to uh, ask Jake Browning to outdo Mahomes, but we saw in week 16, you don't necessarily have to do that to beat the Chiefs. The Raiders didn't complete a single pass after the first quarter, and they still managed to win. Bengals are six and one this season when they hold their opponents to 20 points or less. Based on how the Chiefs are playing right now, it wouldn't be surprising at all if they did it on Sunday. His pick, Bengals 23, Chiefs 20. A lot of that stuff, okay, that, that's what you see on the outside, all right? Will the team implode? Everybody's saying they're about ready to implode. But, again, they can shut people up in this game. Go out, have a good performance, which they need to at this point. It's imperative at this point. That's why it was wild about, like, you're going to rest players. If they win this one, rest players against the Chargers because this team desperately needs rest. So then it's a delicate balance of, resting players and are going out and keeping the momentum going. Can you put two games together, have some momentum, go into the playoffs, have the home playoff game, and see what happens because this is really the only time of year that matters once you get to the postseason. I mean, it would be nice. It would be nice for the Chiefs already have uh, wrapped up their eighth straight division title. Talked about it yesterday, the fact that uh, this division is hitting the reset button. It's like a board game like the Broncos are playing. But they get almost towards the end, then boom, they hit that space as a return of the start because that's what they're going to have to do with getting a new quarterback. I think the Raiders are going to kind of be in the same situation as far as finding that quarterback because Aiden O'Connell, not the answer there. The one team that does have their quarterback in place, you get the right head coach. If they get the right head coach because they've struck out on it, they continue to strike out on the Chargers. If they get the right head coach to go Justin Herbert, who knows? Sky's the limit for that team. Who knows what they do? Can they challenge the Chiefs or will the Chiefs match the Patriots with 11 straight division titles? But the imploding part is correct. You heard Mitch Holtz talk about it there. The offensive line needs to bring that nastiness because we've seen that from the defense. And what Sneed, McDuffie, when they combine on different number one receivers, the constant pushing receivers down, the nudging them when they go back to the huddle, just little things like that, just being an annoyance to the other teams. They shut down number one receivers. Hasn't been a problem where one guy's dominated against the Chiefs. Number two in scoring defense, which that's the most important stat in football. How many points do you allow the other team to score? They only allow 17.7 points a game. That's ridiculous. In previous years, that means the Chiefs need to score 18 and they win the game. But it's different. But that defense has brought that bullying mentality and started in St. Joe. The offense was getting frustrated with it. Because the defense, they started skirmishes all the time because the defense was always constantly trying to pop the ball out. And all that stuff was for a reason. 
All that stuff was for a reason. You got McDuffie in the five force fumbles this year, which is incredible. But you saw that, the agitation the defense was giving it. They were giving you a glimpse of what they were going to do up in St. Joe in training camp. They carried that same mentality with them through the regular season. They're going to be the bullies on the block. Well, the offense needs to be the bullies on the block. You know, for years, people say, oh, the Chiefs are just finesse and all this. They're not, but they were still winning. They were still winning because they put more points on the board than you. And you couldn't stop them. But the fact is, this offensive line needs to show it too. And they have the ability to do it. I mean, you look at the interior part of this offensive line with Humphrey and Tooney and Trey Smith. They have the ability to go out there. I don't know about Juwan. Like, I don't know Juwan's nastiness level. I know Donovan Smith has a little bit in him because he showed it, but he's not playing. Where you start to see that mentality from the Chiefs because everything gets better. If you start to run the ball better, it opens up where those, those secondary pieces start creeping back. Because right now they're not. No, right now they're not because there's no reason to because the Chiefs don't go over the top. A lot of the Chiefs' uh, passing game is short passing attempts. And now you don't have Jarek McKinnon in there because he's on IR to be that guy because Jarek McKinnon had over 500 yards receiving last year and he had nine touchdowns that all began in the month of December on. That was a big weapon. But that shouldn't be discounted how big Jarek McKinnon was for this football team last year. And they're missing that with this football team right here. They're missing it going forward. Something that they're going to have to have. 913-586-7610 is the Jay Southland Toe Service uh, text line. Pink, they aren't going to spend three picks on wide out tight end for the 913. Why not? Why won't they? It's time. It's time to do that. It's time to finally load up for Mahomes and the weapons. Why won't they spend three picks on wide receivers or tight ends? We haven't seen them do it. Last two years, it's just been one receiver. Been Sky Moore. And then Rasheed Rice. And as far as, you know, rookie receptions and yardage, he's right up there with the tops as far as guys that were drafted. So they did get the right guy that was in the draft. It's just that the draft didn't possess many great receivers. But they did get the right guy out of the guys that were available for them to get. They got Rasheed Rice. I want to see what they could do when they spend their time, they concentrate their time on getting receivers. We've seen them do it defensive backs. They consult with Spagnola and everything else. You find the right guys for the system. Dave Merritt. You know, you look at draft picks, who would fit best with the Kansas City Chiefs. So I think Shamari Connor was picked for this team. But I think, honestly, they know it. I remember talking to Brett Veach back when we did the day shift when, when he first took over as GM. Because at that point, the offense was loaded. It had its weapons. You had a Hall of Fame tight end at that point. You had Tyree Kill. It's a pure number one receiver. And you go forward, you, you had to worry about other parts of the team. You didn't necessarily have to worry so much about the wide receivers. But this year, I can honestly see them doing it. Now, whether they do it or not, we'll see what they do. But I think they'll do it. Wide receiver and tight end, the first three picks in the draft. It needs to happen. They have bulked up on the defense. Again, seven out of ten picks two years ago on the defense. Last year, five out of seven with Wanya Morris and Rasheed Rice being the only offensive selections that was on done on Friday night. I think this year in Detroit will be different. And it should be different. <laughs> it has to be different because this is the year to do it. Would you be upset at all, JT, if they said you'd understand? It'd be totally understandable to what they need to do. Unfortunately, we'll see. Wanya Morris needs to continue to get better. He took a step back last week, so they don't have to spend one of those top three picks on alignment. See, uh, I'm not taking the approach you are right now with Wanya Morris. Listen, Wanya Morris was that was his first true test, and it was against Crosby, who is uh, Max Crosby, who's probably 
top five pass rusher, you would say, especially when it comes to playing against the Chiefs. 100%. I feel like he's a top top three when he's playing the Chiefs. But Wanye, he's done phenomenal besides last week, and I think he's going to have a bounce-back game this week against a great defensive line as well. They have some great addressers. Tred Henderson is really good. So I think Wanye is going to be fine, and I think you have that potential to go get a three pass catchers in the top three rounds. I'm not saying you go out – and get three wide receivers, you could get a tight end as well in there. So I think I think it depends on free agents too. If they go out right. and spend a lot of money on a, one, a number one receiver, you don't need to draft obviously. Three exactly, pass we catchers. can't foresee what they're going to do in the free agency. But right now, if, but you still need two. Right now, if you don't go sign a free agent wide receiver, you have to draft two wide receivers and a tight end in the first three rounds. Just load up, man. Just load up. It's what this team is. Because it's what I, they we are. They all have... love Kelsey, but you know his clock is ticking with his age. No, but one hundred percent is. He's still got over 90, 90 catches this year, but it, that's going to start declining. And, and whether you get a thousand yards anymore, I don't know if you can necessarily count on that. You will this year, but I don't know if you will going forward if that continues if he plays. But Wanya Morris, after the game against the Raiders, talked about what the Raiders were doing so good. It was a little bit of everything, more energy, more effort, and they, they brought a lot more pressure. Uh, they they felt something and they they took it and ran with it, and that's our job to stop that. You know, uh, we gotta we gotta put our foot on the gas and stop that uh, that pressure. Yeah, the Raiders are bringing pressure. They saw it on film. They knew what they were gonna do, and they went and did it. Antonio Pierce, <laughs> what he's doing with the Raiders, especially defensively as head coach, it's unbelievable what he's doing. But he got his welcome wake up call in the NFL. Man, uh, obviously when you're going against uh, somebody like Max Crosby, one of the one of the arguably the one of the best players in the game, uh, you just got to be able to adjust. You got to be able to take your mistakes and make make right. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be wins and losses, but if you learn for those, you're on the right path. So he's got to get ready. The whole offensive line does, especially Wanye. Got a wake up call there with the Raiders. All the pressure that they brought. You know Cincinnati's going to do the same thing. I mean, the book's out. They know what to do. You bring pressure against the Chiefs' uh, offensive line. You well, they also have always, they've also always played well against the Chiefs' offense, whether it's scheme-wise, play-calling-wise. They've always felt – I've always felt they have the best play format, play scheme for Mahomes. They do. I mean, it's – I mean, it comes down I – mean, it's simple. You say, well, you pressure the quarterback. Well, duh. I mean – it's how you stop good quarterbacks, but you frustrate him. Manning, when he was getting hit all the time, he was getting free. He would get frustrated. He visibly showed his frustration. Tom Brady would show the same thing. Patrick Mahomes shows the same thing. You agitate them. You dominate the offensive line in those games, and that's how you beat good quarterbacks. Well, it's not even only just not – it's not always just them getting pressure to Mahomes. It's also how they use their spy on Mahomes because even when he rolls out, that's when the spy like comes on a blitz and then there's no one to block him. So they always have that really good scheme of where like they disguise their spy really well. And then Mahomes doesn't see it until it's too late, which a lot of times they didn't use one early on against him because you had to use them in other areas. So you couldn't necessarily afford uh, to do that at all times, but now you can. Hey, now a lot of things change when you're not moving the football like the chiefs have done in the past. Anything's on the table for a defense. But but they know the answer. They I mean the Bengals <laughs> just gonna watch that Raiders film. Of course they're gonna do a lot of what they did. They're gonna bring that heat, gonna bring that pressure. Hundred percent. But Mahomes identified what he thinks might be the problem. We'll discuss that next. I wanna know how forever feels. Well, I've been around the block a time or two. Done almost everything a boy can do. I've done some living, yeah, I've had 
Fesco in the morning, Jay Bankley, JT Noah, roundtable. A little after uh, 9 o'clock, it'll have a uh, a nice feel. I think uh, put a crew together here that I think will be pretty good for as we uh, look at the Bengals and Chiefs game on Sunday. New Year's Eve, a little bit different. Last week was on Monday on Christmas. Yeah, we're even getting a different perspective because on the roundtable, we'll have a Bengals fan. Yeah, evidently, yeah, it'll be kind of fun. See what, uh, see if you have any comments on what Jamar Chase said. I don't know. Drew seems like the kind of guy that just like, he's like, I'm a fan of the team, but sometimes my team just says some weird stuff. It is funny, though, that T. Higgins, by the way, because there, there's articles on that in Cincinnati about how Jamar Chase just completely went after the Chiefs. T. Higgins did not. Like, he talked about what a great atmosphere it was, like a college atmosphere at Arrowhead State. Like, he was very complimentary because why? Because he could end up here. It's a smart business move. That's why you don't say what your favorite barbecue restaurant is. Why? Because you don't want to pigeonhole yourself just that one. You want to take all the barbecue, right? I'll tell you what my favorite barbecue place, and I'll still go eat more barbecue. When the, the Chiefs, when everybody always asks them, what's your favorite barbecue restaurant? They never give oh, you the Oh, oh, gotcha. And they yeah, that. Yeah, it. yeah. They shouldn't do that because you don't want to, you know, alienate the other ones. That's a smart business play doing that. You don't want to single one out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, unless you're doing advertisements for them and that's your place and, you know, that's you're not going anywhere else, which – a lot of people go to several different places. I don't think anybody would give you an honest answer because they like so many. I know me. I, I do I, too. I like a lot. I love barbecue. Yeah, 100%. 100%. James Palmer talked about what Mahomes said this week as far as uh, during his press conference this week and what stood out to him as far as Mahomes and his footwork, uh, what uh, kind of Mahomes told everybody what he thinks might have been the problem. Well, you're right. You look at the mistakes made by Patrick Mahomes. He's been very critical of himself throughout this entire process of these struggles they've had. And one of the biggest things he's looking at himself is his footwork specifically and specifically how he's been drifting in the pocket. It is a bad habit of his, he says, goes back to Texas Tech to where he just starts drifting back, trying and almost forcing to make big plays. When he does that, there's sometimes been clean pockets. Baldy was just breaking down, was going on up front. There's been some clean pockets that he's actually drifted too far back, invited the rush, said his eyes were looking down at Max Crosby and company too much while he was doing that and drifting back. So he wants to work on his footwork. He wants to make sure that some of those bad habits, Tom, don't persist moving forward. Obviously, they all have different things to work on, but that's one of the biggest things that Patrick feels like he has to figure out to where he doesn't sell this offensive line out to dry once in a while when he just drifts too far in the pocket, trying and almost forcing to make big plays. So the footwork in the pocket said again, it's setting the footwork. It's getting back to what made you good. I mean, it's, it's really going back to the beginning. All right, how did you win the MVP the first time? What was made available to you? How did you do it? Clearly, it's about guys making catches. That's got to be the biggest deflator when you throw the football downfield and somebody drops it. Again, 7.5% of his passes have been dropped. That could be a high in the NFL for the last 10 years. No other team has more than 5%. I mean, that's a, that's a big difference. It's a huge difference. Just catch the football, move it around. The offense, all this stuff sounds simple, but it's not that simple. They need to be, go, be able to go out and do it. And you would think if the offensive line is able to take the action to the Bengals, they'll have learned what they did against the Raiders. Give Mahomes that time in the pocket. It's all about the footwork. I'm sure Andy Reid's working with them on it right now. But you got to have confidence. So I can't put everything on Mahomes. 
I mean, clearly, we know how good he can be. That's the thing. You know how good he is and how good he can be. How good can he be if the parts around him are as good? Because I think this team has definitely built up the defense. That's been a concentration. Now it's all about him. I was all about it for him last year. Like, Wanya Morris was a pick for Mahomes because it was offensive line protection. Obviously, Rasheed Rice was. And that was the, quote, big addition for the Chiefs going into the year was uh, was Rasheed Rice for this football team. But, yeah, as far as the Texas are saying, he didn't think they're going to go out and get three pass catchers in the draft. I say, why not? That's one glaring need the Chiefs. I mean, you look at all these mock drafts. It's funny. Most of them will have the Chiefs grabbing a receiver. There's a few mocks out there. I mean, legitimate mocks, too, that have the Chiefs drafting a corner. And we're kind of like, man, they're not drafting a corner. Like Cooper DeGene of Iowa, great player, but they're not drafting him. They're not going to draft a corner. There would be no way in hell they draft a corner. They've got to bulk up and get Mahomes. Again, the Ferrari in the garage without gas. Do you really want that in the garage without gas? So, yeah, you can put a lot of these things on him. But then again, if you have clean pockets, you have a great running game, you have receivers that don't drop the ball, then what do you have a quarterback? You continue to make his life easy. Because the frustration is starting to set in because they're not able to do what they do. It's like a great player that then goes and becomes a head coach. Because they often say, because look, look at a lot of coaches. Baseball managers as well. They weren't great players. And a lot of times in baseball, I mean, backup catchers is what they were. Where the great ones don't exactly make great head coaches. There's a reason for that because everything became easy to them. Everything was easy to them when they played. And to expect everything else to come easy in life, like what your players playing to the level you did, you can't do it. But you can build it around Mahomes. This the concentration on the Chiefs this year, a hundred percent should be with Patrick Mahomes in mind. Hundred percent in mind. Now the wide receiver um snap counts from last week, MVS had sixty one. That's gotta be next right there. That's hundred percent gotta be next. Because essentially what they were doing is playing with 10 players instead of 11. Because he was targeted once, didn't catch the football, but no catches for MVS. But yet he had 61 snaps, which led receivers in snaps. Can't happen. Rasheed Rice had 57. Okay, that probably should lead the team. Justin Watson had 49. No production, 49. Again, you're talking about wide receivers taking snaps that didn't do anything in the game. Richie James only had 25 snaps. Justin Ross, 10. That was the uh, snap counts as far as wide receivers go. Richie James needs to be elevated. That needs to be over 40 snaps. 100% that needs to be over 40 snaps because right now he's as productive as anybody as far as wide receiver when he gets his hands on the ball. I do Rice one, then Richie James two in snaps. Hell, I'd give Justin Watson third most snaps, then I'd give MVS fourth most snaps. But MVS does. Who'd you say third? Huh? Who'd you say as your third? Either, either Watson or MBS, because both of them kind of facilitate the same role, getting downfield. And Watson's got his issues. We know he's got his issues with some of the routes that are run. And he's had a few drops himself. I don't think he has as many as MBS does, but they, they, they're the same guy. Guys that you know can get down the field. Would you would you maybe try to get more snaps to Justin Ross? I know his first game back was last week. Do you try to implicate him more into the, the game? It, small sample size on him. Of course, he missed all those games. I, I don't know. If he, if he can prove that he can do it, sure. I mean, I'm, I was all for Richie James getting a chance to prove it because he has proved it in the NFL. That's the difference between Richie James and, and the rest of these receivers. He, he had 50, what, 57 catches for the Giants last year? 
Well, there be, there's not a chief receiver that'll sniff that, but, be, but Rasheed Rice. Yeah, Rasheed Rice will be the only one that gets there. We might have more combined drops at 57 than he had catches last year. But uh, he's the it's the only X factor you don't have. So I'm for trying anything. Trying it's it's amazing that they're fourth in the NFL in passing yards. I, I, like, I how does that happen? I don't know. I'm about to say how does that happen? Travis Kelsey must be carrying us. Yeah, 251. They get some from the running backs as well. 253 and a half yards a game passing. It's fourth in the NFL. How? Why? How does that work? Why is it happening? I, I, I don't get it. Could be a lot more. Think about it. If they get the blocking and they get the catches from receivers, imagine that number going up exponentially better. <laughs> Those numbers, because they, they, they've proven they could still throw it. I mean, it's not pretty. It's not great offensively, but still they're fourth in the NFL in passing yards, which that stat right there blows me completely away. Coming up next, though, look at what they're saying about this. Plus, some local teams uh, got some bowl action last night. JT Noah, Fesco in the morning returns next week. JT, get the Missouri Tigers on for the uh, the Cotton Bowl tonight. You passed up an opportunity to go. I commend you for that. That's uh, took a lot of a uh, lot of uh, hesitation, probably. In your yeah, life. yeah, it did. It did. It would have been my first Mizzou bowl game. First Mizzou bowl game. You figured out what you're going to do yet? Yep, going to a buddy's house to watch the game. Now is this buddy keep it pretty quiet, pretty keep, keep pretty calm? Or is a lot of people? Uh, I think it's it'll be interesting. I think it's just going to be me and uh, me and him and some of his family members. He's got a like I said, he's got a projector downstairs and he's got a nice bar downstairs as well in his house. So it'll it'll be a good night. So how how big is the screen with this projector? What, Ooh, does he God. do right around a hundred? Yeah, it's around a hundred. It's a big really? one. Yeah, it's a big one. It's good quality and everything. Yep. Oh yeah. Really? Yeah, we would always like he's had this for a while, and so we would always like bring our gaming system over and we'll play it downstairs. And we thought we were we were the cool kids. So it's it's actually worth it then. So it actually is there, you said there's a bar downstairs too. Got a nice little bar downstairs too. What's well, perfect for a nap? Yeah, it is. Don't screw that one up. Nope. Been friends since kindergarten, so. Well, that's great. I, I typically don't like watching games with a lot of people, unless it's a game I really don't have a vested interest in. You, know, you can watch it with other people. But, man, if you want to lock down and something. I know, remember growing up, I could never watch Chiefs with anybody. I, I hate it. Unless it's my brother. Your brother? Yeah, I watch it with my brother, but every other every other time I try to watch it with someone else, I, I, I just get uncomfortable. I don't know why. So I don't like it. It's the same. I love going to bars and watching games, but not if it's a team you really want to walk into, hear the audio, hear the broadcast, hear whatever. Now, some of them play it in the background or whatever. We'll never forget when uh, Spectrum had a little fight with Disney. I had to go watch games at a bar for a couple of weeks. And you end up 
talking like over the game and everything and you kind of like miss stuff and have to go back and watch it but there's no way to go back and watch it because you didn't have the game it's frustrating but yeah i don't typically like a lot of people around when i watch the games i you did watch the kansas game the other night so did i but last night was kansas state and i was curious what was going to happen because some guys opted out cooper Beebe obviously played in the game he's going to be an nfl draft pick ben Sennett did not play in that game i was looking forward to seeing him because that's a guy that uh, I'd even like to see the Chiefs take a chance on, to be quite honest with you. But Avery Johnson was the show, seeing what he can do uh, for Kansas State. A couple touchdowns through the air, ran a touchdown as well, and Kansas State gets a gets a victory over NC State, which very good defense for NC State. Um, they were they were a team that uh, had played good football this year, to be quite honest with you, even though they just had nine wins. Had, had a little rough stretch, but a good quarterback, an NFL quarterback, and Brennan Armstrong. They will go on in play in the NFL, but they were ranked 18th in the country. It's a good way to finish the season for Kansas State, considering, you know, you guys, they're opting out uh, to go to the NFL draft, waiting, and these bowl games have basically essentially become how good is your team going to be next year? What do you have? Who's getting experience? It's going to be like Avery Johnson. This is big for him. That way he's – because he's the starter next year. Good for him. He's got a bowl win under his belt. He had two through the air, had 71 yards on the ground, and a touchdown. But it was nice for K-State. There was a ton of K-State fans in Orlando. I mean, there was a ton that made it down there. And I understand why. Hey, your first bowl game ever in Florida, they've been wanting to go to Florida forever. They went, what was it, 25th bowl game for Kansas State? First one was, they started like back in 82. They've gotten to that many since. When they're building, and granted, there's so many bowl games. There's 41 of them now. So, and this has been a, a previous bowl game. This used to be the Blockbuster Bowl, the Pop-Tarts Bowl, way back in the day. But Pop-Tarts, uh, I told you, JT, we, you and I had talked about it quite a bit, was kind of disappointed in it a little bit. The edible mascot is how they sold it. So much so that ESPN didn't even show it live because they only show those post-game celebrations during these bowl games. They've had a habit of doing it. Nobody's in the stands, confetti falling. They show it, but the only way to watch it was ESPN+. Plus. It was a Pop-Tart that came out of this machine, the toaster. But it wasn't from the top. Like, it didn't come from the top. I think it should have come from the top. Because you had the mascot go down the toaster. It should have come up from the top. It didn't. It came on the side. And it wasn't necessarily an edible mascot because that particular mascot never went around and was a mascot. They just ate the Pop-Tart. Still creative and got a lot of people talking about the product. Hell, even the newscast I was watching, we're all having Pop-Tarts. You and I were supposed to be doing them, but we didn't. I didn't bring him in for you. I feel bad. I let you down. It's okay. It, it, it happens. But I feel like I let you down on the process. But Kansas State, I mean, it was, it's still a fun game to watch. Of course, Oklahoma, that was an interesting game, the Alamo Bowl, because they played a team that was coming to the Big 12 as they're leaving the Big 12. And Arizona, of course, got the win. But uh, yesterday, the bowl game started at 10 a.m. Today, it starts at 11 a.m., believe it or not. Clemson, think about that. We're thinking about where they fall, and they're now playing on a Friday at 11 in the afternoon. They're playing Kentucky today at 11 o'clock, the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. Then you have Oregon State and Notre Dame about 1 o'clock today in the uh, Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. Memphis and Iowa State later, the AutoZone Liberty Bowl at 2.30. Liberty Bowl used to always be played on New Year's Eve. Right, right late. It was always the late game. I kind of miss when it was that, and, of course, Missouri and Ohio State. Uh, tonight at 7. In Jerry World. 
in Jerry World, used to be actually played at the Cotton Bowl, which they made the right decision to move. Back in like 2011, something like that, they moved it to Jerry World. Uh, it was somewhere around there. But the old Cotton Bowl, man, that's that's an historic place. Yeah, but, it is. But, it's... but Jerry World's just so much different. You've got games uh, tomorrow as well. Of course, Mondays, the college football playoffs. Really looking forward to that. If I was to say which game are you looking forward to the most, is there one that stands out? Or are you kind of for both the uh, the playoff games? Like if one stood out to me the most? Oh, for sure. There's one that like everyone I think is honed in on the Alabama-Michigan game, but I am so stoked for Washington versus Texas. I think it's going to be a great game. I think these two teams match up real well with each other. And I think, I think Washington can win. I love how people think Washington's – the TCU of last year, which I think Washington would boat race TCU of last year this year. So I like Washington to win that, and I also like Michigan to win against Alabama. The Texas-Washington game, and also for both teams, has a lot of Chiefs interest, in my opinion, for the Chiefs fans. Because you're looking at Texas, Jatavian Sanders, second-best tight end in college football behind Brock Bowers, obviously. That's a guy that was mocked to the Chiefs quite a bit. Xavier Worthy has been mocked to Chiefs. A.D. Mitchell, their other wide receiver, has been mocked to the Chiefs a lot in the first round. Washington has three receivers that will play in the NFL next year. The best is Romo Dunze, and they're probably not going to have a chance at him unless they trade up to 15, 16, somewhere in that area. But Jalen Polk, Jalen McMillan, they have three receivers that I believe will play um, in the National Football League. They'll be drafted, you know, first or second round all three of them. And that's what you got to be cautious of. Like, who's playing against two? Like, the one thing is, like, when Texas played Alabama, you can judge. Alabama's got one of the best defensive backs in the country, Kool-Aid McKinstry. It's also a great name. I told you General Booty is the best name in college football. Kool-Aid is right there as well. But who, who's Kool-Aid on? Like, especially, like, when Alabama played LSU, they have two first-round receivers, Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas. Who, who do you put your best defensive back on? Because most of these teams, you know, you're looking at, at best, one first-round pick as far as defense back. Which one are they playing? But that Texas-Washington game, is there a chance one of those receivers could end up on the Chiefs? 100% there is. 100%. The Chiefs are not shy from drafting Texas or Washington players. The Ohio State players, they don't draft, but they're not in the playoffs. Don't have to worry about that. But Texas and Washington, they do. But I think that uh, game is loaded with potential uh, Chiefs targets. Xavier Worthy. I think would be really good. He returns as well. He got banged up a little bit in his last game. So uh, I'm curious. But A.D. Mitchell is the guy that transferred uh, to Texas this year. That's a uh, first-round pick as well. But A.D. Mitchell is is a guy that's been mocked a lot to the Kansas City Chiefs, especially early on. He was really there. I'm interested to see what the latest mocks have. But A.D. Mitchell uh, provides really what the the, uh, Chiefs are looking for because he sits 6'4", 196 pounds. And you understand why he's been mocked. But three players, I believe, on Texas' offense, really potential targets for the Chiefs and three for the uh, Washington Huskies. Obviously, the quarterbacks are out of the equation. They don't need that. But wide receiver play, you can get it in this. Oh, for sure. And I also would say there's probably some wide receivers you could watch coming into either today's games and uh, tomorrow's games for sure. If they don't opt out. Like right, tonight, right. You, you never had a chance at Marvin Harrison Jr., but he will undoubtedly not play. 
Ohio right. State won't they won't tell you who's playing. And I love that. that. They're, they're, they're playing the little petty game. Hey, we're not going to let you know who's going to play until the game starts. Does it really matter? Well, I guess it matters in gamesmanship with Missouri. I don't care about that. I just think it's funny they won't let no one know. Like, all right, hey, we're just going to keep it top secret. We kind of figure Marvin Harrison Jr. won't play. I think it would be a, more of a shock if he plays. In our day, their quarterback's gone. He's transferred to Syracuse, so he's already at the portal and transferred. Yeah, but they like the quarterback they have right now, too. They said he's been in the system for a while, so. But it's not the guy you had starting all year. I mean, that's a big difference. Lane Kiffin, I thought, made a great example. He said it'd be like the NFL starting free agency during the playoffs because you lose all these guys. But the bottom line is, for Missouri to culminate this season, because they would have been in the playoffs this year. Because next next year, they would have been in it. Because they're, they're expanding and next they would, year to 12. They, Missouri would, would have been be in the playoffs. Would be a scary team in the playoffs. And they, and they recruited well, even though, like, in the SEC, like, towards the bottom of the SEC, but nationally, Missouri recruited very well. But to culminate the season that they had, to have a win over Ohio State, huge for the Tiger program, regardless of who plays for them. For sure. And they're going to be down two of their – Better defensive players, Mizzou will be with uh, Teron Hopper not playing and uh, Enos. A- Enos is not playing as well. Enos can be a huge draft pick. Oh yeah, I think he. I think he could go. I think he'll go top forty. Oh, some even had me in the first round. Oh well, then I'll take that too. It's, it's the pen, but uh, no Kyle McCord. Of course, he's uh, he will not play. Kyle McCord has thirty one hundred of their passing yards. Devin Brown only one ninety seven. For Ohio State this year. So they, they banked everything on Kyle McCord. But I feel that they were going a different direction. Had to feel they were going a different direction next year anyway. That's A lot of times you'll see why did someone so transfer. They transferred because the coach probably said, hey, we're going to go in a different direction. So we'll see which direction they do. The roundtable, Bengals Chiefs, Rob Brenton from the drive steps in here, and Drew Nixon. Talk to those guys next.